Welcome to the Background Noise Podcast, Episode 2. I'm your host, Jack, along with hosts Joseph and Joe. Say hi, gents. Hello. Are we really actually here? Now, that's the question we're going to try to answer. Um, We're going to go back about 21, 22 years, uh, back to 1999. We're going to talk about the first Matrix film. And as well as its sequels, since we just got the new Matrix trailer that just came out a week from today, actually, Matrix Resurrections. So we're going to talk about that a little bit, just go over the trilogy and kind of give our thoughts on that and uh, our thoughts on this trailer. So I guess we will be starting out with, um, when did you guys first see the movie? So I first saw uh, the first Matrix. I, I watched. There's there's a period of time when I was like, I don't know, in my early teens, like 12, 13, 14 area, uh, where my dad and I were watching a bunch of quote unquote old movies, and which isn't like not like fifty years ago movies, but you know, ten years ago movies. Um, and so that's when I watched. Uh, we watched the trilogy in back to back to back weeks. And I just saw it uh, Saturday, <laughs> this <right>. last Saturday, <laughs> for the first time, for the first time in forever. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, well, I heard about the Matrix. I mean, you know, how can you not at least hear of the Matrix? But it's just sort of like, oh yeah, the Matrix—the thing that everybody parodies in the cartoons or whatever. Yeah, the, the trench coats, the sunglasses, the bullet time. It's just like, yeah, that's that's cool and all. I just never watched it until, you know, this this sort of came up. I got a buddy of mine who's obsessed with The Matrix. They're just like, all right, that's cool. That's cool. Well, if nothing else comes from this uh, podcast, if anything, we got you to watch one of the greatest sci-fi films of all time. So I'm happy. If nothing Something else. I will so. always regret. Oh, wait. <laughs> Mike's not on mute. Never mind. <laughs> oh, uh, you go your whole life without watching this. This very overrated garbage movie that no one really likes, and we just suckered you into it. Yep, that's right. You know me, local contrarian. <laughs> uh, uh, let me see. For me, uh, I want to say I was in middle school when I watched this. I very distinctly remember this being the first R-rated film I ever watched, ooh. and it's still probably one of the lightest R-rated films in general that's probably ever been released, because it's even, I think it's just R for violence, and even the violence is very tame compared to other films rated R for violence. It's it's very light R, is what is how I'll put it. But I definitely remember being the first R film I've seen, and just remember loving it, and never seen, heard good things about them. And then years later, uh, when I was in a bit of a, I guess it would have been last year, maybe two years ago, I was really in a fan edits craze, just looking around, seeing avid fans fixing films because uh, they did you've had a bunch of people go and do cuts of the hobbit which i found very interesting they've gone and edited films like the 1984 dune they've just gone back and edited these films these fans who have seen that there is a good film somewhere within these bad films and cut it and copied and pasted to make these sorts of you know fan edits and some of them are good some of them are not but this one that I watch was called The Matrix Revolutions Decoded, which is what you both watch as well. That's what I sent you guys. Oh, yeah. And um, I thought it was very good. I mean, not great, 
uh, especially not compared to the first one, but uh, still had some solid scenes and um, I still liked the world. So, I mean, it was fun. Couldn't really capture the love of the first one. Couldn't capture that same just uniqueness again. I mean, like Joseph and I were talking earlier, can't capture lightning in a bottle twice because mm-hmm. Matrix did so much right the first time. But it was still fun getting to see this edit of the two and cut out a lot of the trash from the two, which we'll get into later. And yeah, I liked the overall. The first one was perfection. The second and third have some okay scenes, and they're fine. All right. Yeah, that's pretty good. But if you were to sum up the whole thing plot-wise, not, not opinion-wise, in two sentences, how would you? Hmm. Yeah, I wasn't ready for that. Oh, yeah. I don't care. Here's, here's my two sentence summary. Um, humans are batteries. They want to be free. That's well, That's some want to be free. Let's I mean, not say they want to be free because we found very distinctly, even in the first film, that some do not want to be free. I, so, I, okay, so this is a question then. This is a question that I have. So, we'll, we'll go ahead and get into this then. Um, is it that they don't want to be free? Or is it that they aren't being offered the level, offered the choice at a level that they can understand it? Like, the, the, we, we have the Neo character and, and the Morpheus character and all of these people who, like, they subconsciously knew that something was wrong. And so that's why they reject the Matrix. But with other people, if they were told, hey, you're living in a simulation and none of this is real, would they want to wake up and leave it? Or would they be like, all right, well, I'm okay with that. We'll just stick with it. So at like- that, Sure, I get what you're saying. I feel like at that point, it depends on a couple of things. First off, I think it depends on the lifestyle they're living inside of the Matrix. And I think it also depends on how much of this they've already found out already, how much of it, like, how much of a draw a pull they've gotten like Neo and Morpheus got, like there was something wrong with the world, how much of that they've already gotten. And again, if they're doing super well in the matrix, I can't see why they'd want to escape. Um, yeah. I say, that's what the, that's what the ending of like the ending of the trilogy was like, it's like, you know, if they want to leave, they can, but if right. they don't want to, here's the perfect matrix. Yeah. So by the way, for a, 20-year-old franchise. Yes. If you haven't if you haven't seen the first three Matrix movies yet, you have long past had enough time to do so. Yeah, we might be going over at least a couple spoilers here, so just FYI. Uh, but yeah. um I guess, yeah, we'll just go through our general opinions on the the first three films. Let's just knock that out. I feel like we'll be talking mainly about the first and the other two because there's it's so much better. But anyway, yeah, we'll just go uh General thoughts. You've got to say one, plenty of people have torn apart the torn apart the last one. Yeah. We can talk about the good ones. One one major point that I have. This is it's not a it's not a major point. One major minor point, like a thing that I just find hilarious, is the fact that everyone is fighting in these like fancy full suits. <laughs> everyone is very very well dressed, and yet they're doing ridiculous kung fu and insane martial arts and all kinds of acrobatics. And then you know they're punching people through buildings, and you get up and you just like dust some some debris off of your suit and you go back to fighting basically because it's not like a fitted suit like right allows for this much motion the the most egregious i think it's in the second movie where they're on the freeway and morpheus is fighting an agent on top of a semi-truck like on the trailer of a semi-truck and like 
the amount of ridiculous moves that they're making while everyone involved is wearing a suit was too much. There, there was there was a moment where like the where the agent's tie gets a little bit ruffled and pulled to the side, and it, if I felt as though they were making a joke to the audience, <laughs> we recognize that this doesn't make any sense. Like we recognize that if you were actually fighting like this, your jacket would be all torn up, your pants would have split five minutes ago. Like, <laughs> So we're just, we're just like teasing you with the fact that this doesn't make any sense, which which I mean it fits perfectly with the fact that they're in the matrix and like they're doing all these crazy stunts and stuff and it doesn't actually work. So so it does actually fit. It's just it's very amusing from a choreography and a cinematography perspective. Well, oh, yeah. if if you're gonna do all these crazy fight scenes, you might as well look cool doing it. Come on, or at yeah. least by uh, the '90s definition of cool. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. 90s were so cool. Come on. Yeah, of course. You guys remember those black leather trench coats that they let everyone wear all the time? Oh, wait. Not, wait a minute. Neither of you know that we're alive in the 90s. I was. Okay. I was alive this year this came out of count. The archives don't lie, Joe. Okay. Sure. All right. And speaking of which, I mean, this. Again, I don't think we're going to talk about the sequels much, but the highway scene was the best scene from either one of those films easily. Yeah. The entire highway scene was just perfection. It is the Matrix. It encapsulates it so much. You got the you got the big you got the big villains going after the going after the heroes and it just, you know, they're they're going after this guy who can make keys that can open anything. It's just, you know, (laughs) ridiculous enough and it's great. Yeah. All right, but now we should probably rewind back to the first film. Um, thank you. So, who wants to go first? General thoughts. I guess it's me. Oh, okay. It's, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess since it is one of my top 10, 20 favorite films of all time. Do it, Jack. Um, Gosh, do it. Yeah. Uh, I've loved this film for so long, ever since I saw it. It gets better and better every time I see it. Um it just holds up so well, even just down to when you first start. The opening scene is fantastic, especially if you go in with not knowing anything. There's so many questions they keep opening up and starting like, who is this? What's happening? What is Trinity a bad guy? Um, why are the police you know, after her? All this. How are they able to do all these crazy things in what we think is the real world? We're getting all these questions and then Neo starts getting all these same questions. So Neo sort of plays, you know, we're sort of able to empathize with him because he's having all the same questions. And we don't get any answers until an hour in. And that's when we get Morpheus's exposition dump, which is great because it doesn't feel like an exposition dump because we've been having all these questions and you have all the imagery to go with his expedition dump. Uh, sorry, exposition dump. There we go. And it's just a fantastic scene. Um, the opening scene again the entire thing is perfection but just how they set it up giving you no information whereas any lesser director trying to do one of these films would have probably had an opening monologue scaling through the city giving you an idea of what's going on and then they start the film whereas this just straight up just just you know throws you right into it and it's great yeah they probably would have shoved the machine bit in as the opening instead of the big reveal in the into the first act right but it's a huge reveal and mm-hmm. waiting an hour in to reveal that i thought was just such a good move and just 
just yeah. makes the movie even better. It actually it does it does really reinforce the theme because because the problem like when you watch the old other movies or when you're watching these movies for multiple times you already know okay if the matrix now this is real all all of the stuff that's happening here isn't real but like watching it that first time when you're traveling with neo it's you you've gotten used to a reality and you've gotten used to like this is what is real and we kind of you know that it's not real like we've been told a couple we've been told in a couple different ways that something is up but it's understandable that Neo is like, no, like he, he, even when he's been pulled out, he's been pulled out of the like cocoon pod thing and they're talking and they're in the, the, um, the Nebuchadnezzar and he's getting a little bit of the backstory, but he's still, he's, he's rejecting it. And so, you know, it, it actually, it fits well with like the fact that they wait and get you invested in the fake world. And then say, "Oh no, no, this isn't actually even real." You're like, well, "But, but I was, I was invested in that portion of the world, and now you're pulling me out of it. Now you're taking, you're, you're, you're pulling me out of the matrix, just like Neo is being pulled out of the matrix." So it works. I, I and also I, I will say, you said um, you don't, we don't get the exposition dump until halfway through, but technically, it's not an exposition dump, right? Because Neo doesn't know any of this information. Exposition is when two characters. Ah, uh, no, that's. I believe ex- the correct definition of exposition is like two characters talking about something that they should know as though they don't for the purposes of the audience. But one character being a teacher to tell, to teach another character information that they don't have. I, I mean, that works and that works not as, not as shoehorned an exposition that actually works as like something that makes logical sense in the context of a Right. And I think maybe by saying exposition dump, I mean it in a negative sense, but when he goes and he finally reveals all the information, it, it just, it works. And it, we've been asking all these questions. So when he finally does it, it, yeah, it's not bad. And it just wait. I just think waiting that long mm-hmm. is oh, yeah. really what strengthened it because we were practically begging to have answers at that point. Cause they, instead of answering our questions, they kept giving us more and more questions that we needed answered. And mm-hmm. so when he finally tells us what's going on, it just, it's that much more shocking and that much more, we're able to accept it that much more because we're that much more desperate almost at that point. Exactly. And I feel like it goes back to kind of what you're saying. It's done right. I feel like exposition gets like a bad, you know, you'll come up in like critiques and stuff. It's like, oh yeah, there's just exposition dumps everywhere. It gets a, gets a bad rap because a lot of people don't do it right. It's like, you know, just explain, like, what is it? Kind of explaining something after not giving it any, like, proper buildup. It's just like, oh, yeah, that's why. Like, directly after it happens. But, you know, after, like, the hour of all this, you know, crazy stuff happening, the ex- you know, the exposition's a relief. And it's mm-hmm. done pretty well because it is, you know, we're the audience surrogate. surrogate and, you know, we're Neo. So it's like, yeah, it makes sense that... Mm-hmm. You know, we don't know this. And it's just like the comprehensive description of this, you know, crazy thing that's going on. I do have, because we're talking about this particular exposition, I do have one critique of the world building, which actually is something that is addressed if you listen to director commentary. Um, the, the critique of the world building is that it's, a, it's an interesting idea that, oh, the, the robots were uprising and 
humans try to find a way to shut them down so they darken the sky and then the robots are like well we found a way to harvest your bodies for energy so we need we need each other in this weird symbiotic way where like we don't want to keep you around but we need to keep you around to have energy but we need something to do with you so we put you in the matrix the problem is like on a practical level uh the human body doesn't produce enough energy to actually make that work like it just doesn't work as a, as a practical thing of like have having this system where you harvest human energy but that that actually is something that the directors addressed their original plan was to have human the human brains basically act as a server farm as a like a, a bunch of computers that work together and you're running calculations on the brain and then the matrix is is the background stuff that's happening in your head like the the foreground stuff is all of the process data that's being or, or maybe it's maybe have that vice versa but there's there's all the stuff that's happening with your brain that's being used to run computations for the computers and then but they need somewhere to stick your consciousness so that it's not intruding in the process but the problem was at the time when the movie came out that concept was so that that, that actual idea in practical reality of something that we would have to use was so new that they didn't think that the viewers would be able to understand what was going on or they, they didn't think they would get it they didn't think it would work and so they're like okay well we'll use this other explanation that kind of conceptually makes sense um, i do that darn computer techno babble i do think that was a smart move just because there were so many new concepts introduced in that film already and it was already just so unique at that time that there was already so much to take in that I feel like trying to introduce something else like that would have made it even harder. Yeah. So I think it's funny earlier you had mentioned how basically you, you had said something like uh, they're basically the goal is they're trying to um, obviously they're trying to get out of the matrix, but I think it's funny as more and more people are realizing the matrix exists and they're trying to get out as we progress through the films, we care less and less about the real world and we'll go back into the matrix because that's where all the fun stuff's happening yeah. and nobody cares about Zion. So it's kind of funny, the, uh, the opposites that happen with those films. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's true. Cause I mean, that's, that's the part like the matrix is the part where you get to see Neo eventually flying around right. and punching people in midair. Like, and I will, I will say, you know, despite the problems with the last three, with the last two of the three mm -hmm. films, um, I do enjoy the fight between Agent Smith and Neo in the rain, where they're like they're punching each other so hard that it's causing shockwaves that ripple through oh, space. Yeah. Like the rain ripples out and then it comes crashing back down. It's, it, it is all all of the fight scenes. Perhaps not all of the fight scenes are actually necessary from a plot perspective, but all of the fight scenes are very well done. Mm from just like a, a cinematography perspective, from just a watching them happen perspective. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it was funny because last week we were talking about Shang-Chi and how um, they mm. had all those long takes. I feel like this is really one of the films that really modernized that, the long takes, especially like you have in the first one, you have the scene where they're in the dojo arena and Morpheus and Neo are training. You have that scene. You have when he fights Smith at the end. Don't try to hit me. Just hit me. Right, all that good stuff. And favorite moment. Okay, second favorite moment. Oh, let's, okay. Well, we'll have to get the favorite moment after this. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. um, it just does such a great job with the fight scenes. They're so different. Somebody was saying you compare fight scenes from before this film, and then compare fight scenes mm -hmm. to after this film. It they're very different, and they start to improve 
Like I heard lot. somebody say this was the death of the '80s action movie. And yeah, no, I, I can see it. <laughs> yeah, it definitely, it definitely is the beginning of the modern style of action. Yeah, pretty much all, all of the we, we've already said this, but all of the modern tropes of action of how action is done in movies. I think maybe not all of them, but certainly a majority of them got their start here. Yeah. So. Now, Joseph, you brought up what your that that was your second favorite scene. Don't don't try to hit me; just hit me. Uh, what's your first favorite scene? Ooh, well, I said second because it's like, oh, that's my favorite. No, 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 the other one's my favorite. No, the other one's no. Okay, like, from that from that first one, I mean, what is it? The uh, you know the highway scene is pretty cool. That's like I said, that's that's Matrix in a bottle. Oh, you mean <laughs> Reloaded? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But from the first one. I would say my favorite moment's probably just the. Uh... God, I'm trying to remember when it was, but it was the. The very ending when they're running from the agents, kind of like, mm. I don't know. I I really like that. Really like that one for a minute because, well, I mean, in the end, again, spoilers. Like, <laughs> they get them. They get Neo. Yeah. And there is that cool fight, you know, in the train. It's just like, at this point, we know, we kind of know a little more about Agent Smith than we do Neo in terms of motivation. And it's just like him going up against Neo, who's still trying to discover himself. He doesn't really know if he's the one. Uh, at that point, he doesn't think he is the one because, you know, the Oracle kind of threw him for a loop. And it's just, you know, between these two guys, it's like, it, I don't know. It was I was really invested in that one. And then, you know, when he when he gets him at the end and then he comes back, it's just like, Oh wow. That's really cool. I, I know that's, that's sort of like, you know, is it just cool or does it, does it encapsulate the themes and more? It's like, I just think it's cool. It, it was really cool. <laughs> I would say that was my whole reaction to the movie. It's like, I had, I had seen it so many times, like I said, parodied in other things. It's like, Oh, this is it. This is from the Matrix. This is make from the Matrix. It's like okay, well, I feel like I've seen the movie itself. I I figured I would have tainted my viewing experience having you know seen everything Matrix adjacent for the past you know fifteen or so years. But it's just like, well, all this is pretty cool. Yeah. It's funny. Um, you obviously at the. I still think the fight at the beginning is great. Apparently that took six months to train for hmm. that entire opening scene. So that was well still great. Still one of my favorite scenes just because of what it does as far as setup. And it's just a very well shot scene. And of course we get the classic bullet time with Trinity and all that, which is awesome. And we have that to thank for the awesome bullet time scene in Shrek with Fiona when she fights all of uh, <laughs> Robin Hood's <laughs> men. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's exactly the same. It's literally cut. Yeah, exactly the same. So without Matrix, you wouldn't have Shrek. So, you know, things I thought I would never hear for three hundred, Alex. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it was funny you mentioned, uh, Joe. You mentioned earlier that scene in Matrix Three where they're fighting uh, at the very end. They're flying and fighting around and all that. From what I've heard, uh, with WB seeing that film, or not even the film, that scene, they're like, "Yeah, we could take another stab at a Superman movie." <laughs> just from that scene, they were like, you know, we could do that. Yeah, all right, I can see that. Yeah. Wait, really? They used that as the basis for like, like they saw that and it's like the technology's here. We can bring Superman back, that sort of thing. 
I mean, that's what I heard. I don't know the exact details, but looking into it more, it was like that scene, scene there was like, you know, you just give them capes and it's like Superman fighting Zod or, you know, whatever. But they, it's like, yeah, the technology's there, especially considering the last Superman film they made at that point would have been, I think, Superman 4, I think, which would have been like late 80s, early 90s, something like that. And then three years later, they'd make Superman Returns. What a waste. (laughs) Uh, all right so jack what's your favorite scene oh favorite scene um i mean definitely from the sequels we got the highway scene um opening scenes up there the dojo scene's great because still one of my favorite lines is in the dojo when they're fighting and towards the end of that (laughs) you have morpheus lean down you think that's air you're breathing oh yeah that's a good one yeah Yeah, yep i mean every every line that morpheus says in there is it's it's, perfection it's great great no one can wear those sunglasses without the uh, the handles like Morpheus does. He's he is such a boss. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no one can sit in a chair like Morpheus can. Yeah. Honestly, he, he sits in a chair with more intensity than most people could fight. Yes, exactly. Uh, like I feel like the movies would have been a lot shorter if we had just had them, you know. In a room, if Morpheus had a chair and the bad guy's in the room, he just sits down, it's game over. There's no point. Yeah. Well, they That's had him it. in the chair, but the thing is, they took away his sunglasses. They were <laughs> yeah. three steps ahead of him. Yeah. <sighs> Which, that, that brings me to uh, my favorite, because my, my two favorite characters are Morpheus and Agent Smith. I mean, mm. obviously Neo is, is the main character, but my favorite characters are Morpheus and Agent Smith, because those two characters are are 100% sold out on what their motivation is because neil is like oh am i the one am i doing this am i that but morpheus is 100 percent. i believe in the prophecy i believe that you were the one i believe that we're going to save the people from the matrix we're going to get everyone into zion like he is ironclad on his in his resolution that this is going to happen and agent smith is ironclad and his like his, his resolution isn't i want to work for the matrix and work for the machines it's i want to get out of here I want to not be a slave to this system anymore, and I'm doing this only because I have to. Which is which is the whole point of the interrogation scene, right? We we get three stages of interrogation where we're peeling back the layers of Smith till we get to the point where you know, he he takes out the earpiece, he sends the other agents out, and he's like, "I'm I the re- I need to get out of here because I'm disgusted by everything that exists in this place. You are going to tell me the answer so that I can get out of here, or else I'm going to make your life miserable until you tell me the answer." It, that that's that I think is the best scene of the peeling back the layers of Agent Smith because of the interaction. I mean, Morpheus doesn't have any lines in that scene, I think, except for just like groaning and having blood yeah. out of his face. But but the interaction there between two characters who are absolutely ironclad in their motivations, there, there there's no there's no flexibility in either of these characters. And it's it's fat it's fantastic to watch and it's also fantastic to see the character because morpheus is upfront about every, all of his motivations from the beginning you know exactly what he's about from the beginning you don't know what agent smith is about until until that time because you're like oh yeah he's he's the agent he is the person who is enforcing the will of the system but he himself has no will yeah, he's essentially a computer program until what? like yeah. i begin it's perfect symbolism takes out the earpiece yep. that shows he's much more yeah shows that he like these are sentient artificial intelligences these are entities that are capable even if they don't have brains and bodies like people do they have 
some capacity to think for themselves. They have some capacity to have will and desire that is their own, which is, you know, is one of the major themes of the movie. It's perfectly embodied in that character. I think he's the only agent to ever take off his sunglasses. Uh, I think some, some of them might get their sunglasses punched off. He is the only one who ever takes off his earpiece. When he's okay. the yeah, that too. To be fair, that is... He's the only one to actively take off his sunglasses. Yeah. He's the only yeah. one yeah. He's the only one that's willing like to the, consciously do the earpiece, yeah. the glasses, yeah. Just just little just the little the little things. Like I say, it's the little things. Yeah. It's nice. funny. You mentioned um favorite characters. Uh one of my favorite characters who isn't even a main character, they're just a side character, but might be my favorite scene that isn't a fight scene in those films, is Neo's talk with the Oracle. She is just mm-hmm. such a great character. Yeah. And that scene is very charming and all the philosophy just with him knocking over the vase. <laughs> and it's just it's so really funny. Blow your mind is would you have knocked <laughs> over if I hadn't said anything? It's so good. I love it. And yeah, just how she pushes Neo um mm-hmm. forward in the story and at the end of course we find out you know what Morpheus said where he you know, basically goes, she told you what she needed to hear, told us all what we needed to hear, and worked out okay. Which, if we're going into the second film, that's where I get a little frustrated, because you have the whole point of this movie is he's been told he's the one, and then the Oracle tells him he's not the one. So he's confused. And then at the end, it's like, no, she told him he's not the one, but he really is. She told him what he needed to hear, so he actually is the one. And then we get the second film, and they throw at us, oh, He's not the one, or he's one of many ones. He's not that special. Basically, each film they're trying to tell us that Neo's not that special, and they they threw that at us again in the second film, and it's just seemed cheap because they'd already done it already. Hmm. And this time they like, no, we really mean it this time. And at that point, just like, well, that's just dumb. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> yeah. They need they needed Neo to go through like uh, they need Neo to go through some more changes in the sequel. So they're just like, eh, I mean, the last one worked. Yeah. Like you, you pull, you can pull that trick once, and it's clever, and it works, and it's like, oh, okay, this is a character development thing. But you pull the trick twice, and you're just, just lazy. No, stop that. Go away. Yeah. So if you don't have a motivation for your character, then just then come up with a motivation for your character. Yeah, think outside the box, or the Matrix, or the Dodecahedron. Yeah. I don't know, one of them. Yeah. I can I can hear the slight disdain in your voice there, Jack. Just like thinking back to it, it's like, oh. Well, it's just so annoying with two and three that first off, just watching one again, it ends so well. And we didn't need a two and three. If they had never made a two and three, I'm sure fans would have been begging for it to happen. And, you know, even years later, like now, I'm sure they'd still be mentioning it, probably on lists of best sequels that never happened. But mm-hmm. It's still a perfect story that encapsulates everything. We see the full hero's journey and all of that in the film. It all starts and finishes very well. It's all, in, it's all self-contained. Whereas two and three, first off, in the year 2003, they try to do way too much with The Matrix. I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but early 2003, they, I think they released Reloaded in March and maybe it was April, but then they released Revolutions in November. They released both in the same year. They also released Animatrix. Oh, man. And they also released Enter the Matrix, the video game, which has, like, story parts that connect to mm-hmm. 2 and 3. I don't know if oh, you guys... Were... Did you guys play 
Enter the Matrix, Path of Neo, any of those? Didn't play uh, it. I do know that like there's references there to the one character who has like the plans about what the robots are doing at the beginning yeah. of two. Like that's referencing to the game. Yeah, that's what I heard. And so they tried to do too much and I mean, there was obviously the main thing where they tried pulling the same trick twice, which I think was a big mistake. And there was less, there was, I mean, to put it simply, the more talking, less action. We had, they did a great job in the first film of combining a lot of the philosophical themes and topics. They would sort of interlace them through the fights. Like, you know, obviously Morpheus and Neo were talking, they were also fighting when they were doing it. Whereas here we have, okay, let's sit down with the Merovingian because this is very interesting. And later on we get, oh, there's the architect who I still think Will Ferrell's a better architect. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh. Which if you have not seen that MTV Awards video, it's, it's brilliant. Um, he is the best architect for sure. Well, I, I do, I or at least do, the Will Ferrell cut. Yes. Um, there's a, uh, like, because you brought up the, the Merovingian scene, because in that one, it's two sections, right? They, they sit down and they do the talkie-talkie, and then they have the fight. And there's no talking, there's no, there's no pushing forward of information. It's right. just, now we're going, we, we had the part where we went and talked, and now we have the part where we do all the fighting. As opposed right. to trying to find a way to have these things intermesh with each other, like they, they like have it where Instead they go the plot leading to the action is just separate, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, again, the highway scene was great, but the whole scene where Neo's just there, just fighting all those guys, it's like, what's what's the point? Yeah, exactly. What are you doing? We know he's going to win. It's just a, like that's one of those things where it's like, as a piece, as a scene, it's enjoyable to watch him fight, but. We could we didn't need we, we didn't need to have these as two separate things. We could have had them as one thing, and you know, some something we, you could have had somewhere where like they have to be beating the information out of the minions to get to the key maker, and like they're finding things about like like maybe you don't want to know what what happens if you get to them, and they have these like little little hints or something that's dropped, and that leads to the fact that people know. That if you, when you when Neo gets to the architect, he's going to have to make this difficult choice, and that's building up to that. You could have done that in a way that interlaces them together, as opposed to having, um, and almost like the the reverse of this is when they're planning the architect heist, right? Because I think if I remember correctly, don't they they say we we need to do this stuff, and then they cut to them doing that stuff, and then they cut back to them planning, and they say we need to do this step, and then they cut to them doing that step. <laughs> Like, I get that they needed to do it, but I still don't get the steps they took to get there. And it was it was a very convoluted heist. Yeah, well... I mean, I feel like the heists in the Oceans films were way more convoluted, and yet, because they fleshed them out, were so much better. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing that got me sometimes, it's sort of like, oh, yeah, <laughs> the the Matrix, where you've, you've essentially hacked the world, and almost anything is possible, but it's like... Yeah, we, we got to go through this. And I guess in the end, it is essentially kind of these little mundane things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We can't just like hack. We have, we have to follow the sequence of things in the computer world because following that sequence has the effect of as if we were coding an entrance basically into the place we want to get to. Like, I guess maybe that's the logic, but I don't know. It's so, it's so weird. <laughs> 
part of, part of that is just, is just dealing with like it's a computer world. Why can't you just hack your way into it? Yeah. Well, that kind of gets me too. It's like the they introduce like they introduce like the the handlers in the first one. Like uh, what's his name? Not Tank. Tank's the one that gets uh, killed by the traitor guy. Uh, no, I think that's Dozer. Actually, I think Tank's oh, the one that Dozer. survives. Oh well, think, yeah, 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 that's the guy. Uh, Tank. It's like they. They introduce like these operators, like, oh yeah, the outside guys. They can send you in these. They can help you. They can help you learn these things. But they, well, they and they do use them. It's like, oh yeah, they can help you get places. Oh yeah, turn right, take a left, stuff like that. But then they only do that, kind of mm-hmm. only do that in the sequels. It's like glorified navigation. It's like, should mm-hmm. we should we do something really interesting with these guys? It's like. I mean that would that would take kind of a lot, and we gotta be we gotta have the fun stuff in the matrix outside. Yeah. Well, no, outside's just I don't know. Just let it, just tell them where to go. It's fine. It'll be fine. For some reason, the Wachowskis thought we were would be very interested to see Zion and what's going on there with everybody. But what they did not realize is that we don't care about Zion. We could not care less. The movie's I mean, it, not called the Zion. It's called the Matrix. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We, we, it's nice to know that it exists as a goal that the characters are working towards. Maybe you need five minutes of it on screen as just like a reminder of like, this is the thing that they're trying to save, trying to help. But that's not what we care about. Yeah. Not really. I, a little bit of the command structure thing. But in the end, yeah, it's fluff. Even just a picture frame of Zion in the ship would have been enough for me. One of the characters has has his wife, and you see a picture of the wife hanging on the wall, and he's like, that's what we're fighting for. And you're like, okay, cool. All right, let's get (laughs) back to the Matrix. Uh, One of the most underrated things with Matrix, in my opinion, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of the YouTuber Sideways. His whole thing that he does is he does deep dives into soundtracks and scores for movies. And he did one on the Matrix. And because I'm not an expert in this, I'm not going to begin to explain it. But it is a very complex and underrated score. Uh, so I would definitely look up his video on the Matrix soundtrack because it's insane how much detail he put into it. And it's shocking more people don't talk about it as one of the like best scores ever. Mr. Size, Sideways Man, here's your uh, here's your plug, just so you know. Yes. Uh, what is it? Make sure to get up with us so uh, we can get that uh, we can get that paycheck. No, that's it's not the, on mute again. That's the only reason I plugged him. <laughs> now, I will Just, say... It's all about the money. Oh, yeah, of course. That's what we're doing this for. And I almost right. said, and I will say, but I won't <laughs> say it this time. You know, just to give you a small idea of how much detail was put in this, you have in the first Matrix when Neo first wakes up in his cocoon, he gets out, you start to hear like this like choir singing. There's not... A lot of voices, but you hear enough when you first see him waking up next to all these batteries with other humans. So the choir voices are meant to represent the humans. Um, And that's why they chose to use choral sounds for that. And then it cuts to this scene where you see like all these battery pods and they use a huge choir for it. They like totally change it. Like it starts out small. And then when they cut to all of seeing all of these people there, you then suddenly hear a huge choir. So it's, very cool the amount of detail that was put into it. And I would definitely say giving the YouTuber sideways a watch on his, you know, deep dive into the soundtrack would definitely be worth it. So, so uh, yeah, um, I think that's, I feel like that pretty much covers most of our thoughts. I definitely, um, I can't see anybody else doing these roles. Like if Will Smith had ended up accepting the role, it'd be a very different movie. So yeah, would... these are very, very much iconic 
characters, iconic roles, iconic characters, iconic actors. Yeah. Which does transition us, I think, to discussing the trailer for the fourth movie. Yes. Because there, there are some... There, there are, I, I have thoughts. I mean, what, what, one of them is, we already said, first movie was excellent and it didn't need any mm-hmm. sequels. Um, the trilogy also is wrapped up very succinctly, right? It, it's right. wrapped up in this, we have closed the loop and now everyone who wants, we, you know, we, we have the, because we know that Neo is one of the ones and that this loops and each time the loop half closes, it gets better. So we've closed the loop but now we still have the same person who's the one in the new loop, except he was kind of maybe dead the first time we did this. Yeah. And then, um, if I remember correctly, isn't doesn't Trinity also die at the end of the third movie? And now yeah. back somehow. That's my, what makes me think. Is yeah. that, oh, you go ahead, Jack. It might be the same thing I'm thinking. No, I was going to say my theory that I've thought about is that. At the end of Matrix, I mean, we see that we do think Neo is dead and he's kind of carried away. My theory is that he, I have no idea about Trinity, but with Neo, my thought is instead of sort of letting him die and letting the next one sort of come into power and, you know, waiting for all that to happen and all that chaos, they're like, okay, so we found this one. It's the most powerful one we've seen yet. Let's keep him alive and contained so mm-hmm. the next the one will rise up. Because the other one won't rise up unless the other one is di- has died and the cycle repeats. But the cycle can't repeat if this current one is still alive. If one is still alive, one plus one doesn't come into the picture. Yes, exactly. There can't be two ones. There can't be two ones. Yeah. 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 Which actually, I guess, I guess that actually would explain it. It, you could almost explain it as neo is in his own personal matrix he's not in the matrix proper if he's in his own personal matrix that is meant to contain him that's why trinity is there is see i would sorry an ai program that's been created to like to keep him somewhat like keep him distracted by her as opposed to going after as opposed to trying to question this matrix he's like okay i have the thing that i'm interested in i have the thing i have the thing i have the person that i love here in front of me and trying to get back with her, pursuing her inside of his personal matrix. And that's why we see that there's a very noticeable scene where he's taking like dozens of blue pills, which is, I mean, obviously that's symbolic to the first movie, but also I think it's, it's he is, he personally is being sedated because he personally is being stuck in this matrix, in his own personal matrix as opposed to I mean, this is, obviously we haven't seen the movie yet. Yeah. This is just me theorizing. I would almost go with that. Like, I could almost see that happening, except in the trailer, there is a very clear still of Trinity's body being plugged into the Matrix. Uh, so I'm thinking somehow they brought her back. I don't know how. Mr. missed that scene. Or yeah, it was a very quick still. They had a lot of stills, but like somebody, again, as most YouTubers do, they paused each frame and studied uh, it, each one for a solid hour. And that this one... left hand looks like actor Lawrence Fishburne's hand <laughs> by the specific wrinkle pattern. Morpheus 2 confirmed? Hey, if that happens, I'm down. Though I am a little bummed because they just, I can't remember the actor's name. They did confirm that the other guy we're seeing, the Morpheus-like character, they actually confirmed that is Morpheus, which is a huge bummer because yeah. I loved um, Lawrence Fishburne. I mean, I might be with you, Joe, where it's like, Morpheus might be my favorite character from the trilogy. Yeah. And he 
Lawrence Fishburne just owned that character, and I would hate to see anybody else fill his shoes, especially since Fishburne's still alive. And it's not like, from what Fishburne said, unless he's just playing us and it's turn out Fishburne is in the movie after all, but from what Fishburne has said, which house he didn't even ask him about it, which hmm. it's weird that you wouldn't ask the only person who actually survived the Matrix trilogy to come back. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know what they're planning. Um, I do sort of miss the green tint that the original Matrix, you know, when they were in the Matrix, that you sort of had this sort of green color when they were inside the Matrix. Mm -hmm. I don't see that here, so I don't know if just the Matrix is upgraded, and they realize, oh, it was a bit greener last time, let's change that. Well, that actually does fit, because if I remember correctly, in, in the perfected Matrix at the end of 3, I don't remember it having the green tint. Like it has a, it has a, yeah, it has the sunrise at the end. Oh, you're right. When the yeah. architect comes up to the Oracle, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. When mom and dad have a conversation about their new baby. That's right. That's, that's what that scene literally is. Yeah. So, um, it's a good little matrix. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I hope it's good. Um, I think it's funny. There has been so much hype for it. I don't know why. I mean, I get it's a matrix and it was huge and the other films, despite the not being good were huge, but it's, you have to remember two and three weren't good. <laughs> they really, I mean, they had some good scenes, but overall, I mean, they wrapped up things as best as they could, but there were so many problems with them. I don't know why people would be excited for another one. I'm just saying. Well, I think the main reason people are excited is because uh, this, this is deliberately like deliberately they've shown and well, it is a little bit of nostalgia baiting, which you know that. Well, I don't doubt that. That gets sure. that gets butts in seats, but it's also very deliberately like modeling itself after just the first Matrix. Like you know, we have mm -hmm. the whole yeah. What is it? Neo meeting Trinity, except it's kind of reversed. Like instead of Trinity being the kind of pursuer, it's like Neo knows like, oh, do I know you? That sort of thing. And you know the the kung fu scene, the you know fact that Neo's got to eventually gonna wake up. I feel like they're trying to recapture the mystery element that was the first, like the first act of the first Matrix, and they're either going to try to, well, and I really hope they don't, but it's like they're deliberately doing that. It's like, oh yeah, it's just like the first one, and then boom, rug pulled out from under you. We're doing hmm. something completely different, or like you know, or they're doing it because that's what worked the first time. So let's get the big beats. I don't know. I will, here's an idea that might work. This, this is not my not. This is not related to the theory. This is if they're just playing it straight and he was back in the Matrix. Um, if they are, they're presenting it to us this way because they're trying. The, the trailer is intended to invoke us remembering what the first one was like. But if they make the this actual movie where Neo isn't our POV character, if New Morpheus is our POV character. So we're seeing him trying to wake Neo up. So we're, because like, in the first first Matrix, we don't know what's going on. And so we're following Neo, figuring out what's going on. But now in this Matrix 4, we actually know what's going on. So Neo isn't our POV character because he knows less than the audience does at this particular situation. So if we, so it would make sense if we're following New Morpheus and we are working, uh, we're cheering on him trying to wake Neo up and Neo is fighting it. Like he wants to stay asleep now for whatever reason, for, for, you know, whatever the reason problem in the story is. I think that would, that would work. And that would work if that would work where they've, they've shown us a trailer that's meant to invoke uh, the first one on purpose as a nostalgic thing. 
Um, but the actual movie that they present us with has a different focus. I could see that working. I feel like it would work even better if they had gotten, again, real Morpheus back. Uh, if they have a good explanation, yes. they can pull it off in the film. I'll be willing to accept it, even though I won't necessarily be happy about it. But if they do what you're mentioning, um, I think that could be very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just thinking, going back to what Joe was saying, where they're trying to reminisce about what your thoughts on the original were like. There was another film a couple of years ago that did the same thing called The Force Awakens. And <laughs> yeah, that's, I, that's where I the really, comes in. Yeah. yeah, so I really don't want them to just, you know, Ooh. trying to bring in the... Uh, bringing all the nostalgia and it's just like, Oh, they just made the first one again. Great. So that's, that's actually, but, but Jack, they, they have a, you know, they have a plan on like the force awakens. Right. I hope right. their plan is to actually wrap it right. up. The, that actually brings up a thought that I had um, comparing those two franchises um, because we, we, you know, the first matrix, excellent movie. Everyone agrees. It's a great movie. It's two and three are, you know, they are, there are things that you will watch. They're if there. You're, if they're playing in the background, then you're like, okay, whatever. I guess I'll watch this. Um, but they don't detract from the first movie. Like the existence of two and three does not subtract from the quality of Matrix One. But the existence of the Star Wars sequel trilogy, the existence of The Force Awakens and the subsequent two movies that we don't even name because they're so terrible, though the existence of those two movies actively subtracts from the quality of the original trilogy. And I'm afraid that that's what they're going to do here with Matrix 4, where it's, it's not just that they're, they're making more stuff in the universe that isn't any better, but it doesn't make anything worse. They're going to add stuff that actually makes it worse than it was before. Fingers crossed that it doesn't yeah. happen, but that's that's kind of my that's that's my closing thought on the trailer. That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. So I want it to be good, but I'm not going to get my hopes up. Yeah. To put it simply. Our our attitudes can be described as cautious optimism and only that. Very cautious optimism. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I will I, I I didn't say it that time. Eh, what is it? Another thing that goes with the, you know, harkening back to the first one. They're really they're really playing the playing up the white rabbit stuff, you know. Oh yeah. And the Alice in Wonderland stuff and you know, Jefferson Airplane. Can't get that song out of my head. <laughs> Curse you, Matrix Res- Resurrections. I thought it was a very good trailer. I really enjoyed the trailer and I thought the song trailer. I thought the song of course fitted very well into the themes of the trailer and the matrix in general so they they have my attention let's just see if they can keep it for two hours with the movie oh yeah, yeah the, the pitch worked let's see if the product works exactly yeah. i think there was one more thing i was going to mention i'm trying to remember what it was uh check the minutes no we're doing fine let me see oh no like the yeah, check your notes the minutes document oh no. Oh, I don't number ratings. Number ratings for the well, trailer. Yeah, we're going to do uh, three three words to describe it, and a number rating for the, each film and the, for the trilogy. Oh, I remember. Oh, okay. I okay. wish. Uh, my thoughts um, are the reason he didn't is because I think they were probably also filming John Wick Four at the same time. But I wish, <laughs> wish uh, Keanu would have shaved at least look like Neo. Oh, yeah. I feel oh. like they just pulled him off of. They literally dragged him away from the John in the middle of the John Wick set. They're like. You know, all right, let's start filming Matrix right now. He's like, but I don't I need to shave? No, you look great. 
It's like, it's like, it's just John Wick. Mr. Reeves, please shave. Yeah, I don't think so. Now, if at the end of the film he's shaved and like he's he's back, um, you know, he's he's got his mojo back and all that, then it's like, okay. But if he just looks like John Wick the entire film, it's like, eh. I, I think that's going to be the case, unfortunately, because he's blocking like bullets and missiles with the full on with the long hair and the beard. I'm pretty sure it's just like, yeah, you can't interfere with this contract. Just, I don't know, make up some reason. Make It's a side effect of the blue pills. I don't know. Yeah, there are no, uh, there are no uh, razors in the Matrix. There are no razors in the Matrix. Of course. There are no razors in the Matrix. This, uh, there is no spoon. There are no I, spoon. <laughs> Oh no, not the spoon. <laughs> oh god. Closing thought. The spoon is actually an excellent analogy. Like it actually is very Oh it is. Perfect. I love it. It is, but it, I don't know. For some reason I thought it was really funny. It's like there's just this random British kid. It's like oh, there is no spoon. Like, I'm sorry, who are you? No, yeah, no, it's it's great. It's exactly how it's a it's an inverse well, we'll talk about this later. We'll talk about this when we have a rambly podcast, not about a specific episode. Well, so I'll you just, see, pulls down board. The yeah, spoon I'll, 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 yes. I'll get out the cork board with the thumbtacks and the red string, and I'll tell you we, my ideas. We about tend to do that a lot here. That's a good <laughs> thing, though. That's a good thing. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you my thoughts on how magic systems could work, because essentially the Matrix has a magic system, and the magic system is Neo. Um, but we'll we'll talk about that some other time. Um, All right, what, what's left? Are we going to rank these and then close it out? Yeah, do rank we, these and... and uh, we wanted to do a three-word description. I don't know if everyone else prepared one, um, but I, uh, my, I have like a yeah. My, you go for it. My three-word oh, description okay. is uh, flashy existential robots. Very nice. Very nice, Jack. Uh, you go first. I'm still thinking. <laughs> oh, all right. It's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not wrong. That's again. That's my whole experience. It's like, oh, this is where it, this is what it is. It's pretty cool. Okay, uh, if I'm to describe the Matrix trilogy, less is more. Yeah, Ooh, that's a good one. That's that's pretty good. That's a very good one. Yeah, Can I, I change mine? Change yours? I mean, it's, sure. No, no, I'm. I can't do it. <laughs> my Still ranking pretty. is pretty simple because it matches up with the films. Uh, the first, second, and third, I rank one, two, and three. Oh, I thought we were, we're we're doing just uh, ranking in order, or are we doing like out of ten ranking? Oh, out of ten, like is like on a scale. Like, are we doing no. like like five stars? So like you can do five, four and a half, yeah. four. We can do that. That's fine. Let's let's do out of ten. Let's do out of ten. Okay, yeah, good. Out of ten's good. Who wants to go first? Those goes. Wait, the video oh. call ended. <laughs> I uh, I would say for Majors one is. Nine, nine and a half. Can't can't quite give it a ten. I mean, maybe that's just because I don't have as much nostalgia for it. For it, um, it's definitely nine or nine and a half. The other two are like, I don't know, four or five, somewhere in that range. Like, they're 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 fine. Um, the series as a whole is an eight because the other two don't detract too much from the overall enjoyment of the of yeah. the first one. Um, that's where we're at. Mm. Yeah, uh, I think I'm pretty similar boat. Uh, for me, Matrix is a perfect 10 just because I have so much nostalgia with it. And the more I watch it and the more I read things on it and just the process behind the film, the more I appreciate it and the more 
I love it. So I'd give that a perfect 10. It's one of my all-time favorite films easily. And then two and three, they're probably closer to like your four and your five range. And the series overall, I'd probably give, you know, closer to a seven or eight because second and third do have some cool scenes. They have some things that are enjoyable. Do we need them outside of the first film? Not really, but since we have them, you know, we kind of have to accept that they're there and they're not all total trash. So. That's pretty good. That's a, that's a good descriptor. Uh, I'd say just from seeing it and seeing it in 2021 and all I experienced not had, not being connected like nostalgically or anything. I'd say it's a seven out of 10 is it's pretty good. I like the, I like the first, I like the first act and the third act in like in the first matrix kind of a little better than I liked the, the middle part. I don't, I don't know. It's sort of like the kind of the betrayal subplot kind of, took away from it for some I, I don't know i just it still hurts oh, that, that was a little weak every time i watch that scene it still hurts when he's unplugging everybody that still oh. hurts every time i watch it oh yeah yeah it is it is pretty brutal but it's yeah i don't know i don't know kind of but yeah and then i'm able to i'm able to kind of turn my brain off enough for the for the other two like the good parts of the other two to give them both just like a solid five and then overall like again the overall series seven out of 10. You watch the first one. It's great. You've watched YouTube clips of the best parts of the second <laughs> and third. It's great. Yeah. It was definitely, definitely the out, definitely an outsider looking into this whole, well, for lack of a better term, rabbit hole of like why everybody was obsessed with this thing. And I, I can see why I can see why people like it. Jack, I can see why it's like one of your favorites. I see the appeal, but it's, it's just kind of a seven for me. That's okay. We're all sinners, so you know. <laughs> hey, Everybody makes nobody's mistakes. pointing. <laughs> Everybody makes mistakes. Your mistake is not watching the Matrix earlier. So <laughs> that and Hocus Pocus, apparently. But that's um, for another episode. That's for uh, that's for a later episode. That's right. Um, it's a surprise tool we can use for later. Yeah, and by later we mean about a month from now. But we'll have to leave you guys waiting for that. Yes. Well. Thank you so much to, for all of you tuned in. Uh, if you did, we appreciate you. If you didn't, it's okay because you didn't miss anything. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, If you've been listening, good job. Here's your metaphysical gold star. It's right on your chest. Don't look at it. Don't look at it. Oh, you did. You did. I know it. And if you haven't been listening, well, wait, no, did I say haven't first? <laughs> if you have been listening, what are you doing? Get back to work. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh... All right. Well, you heard it here, folks. So thank you all for listening and hope you'll tune in next time. All righty. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.